Wraparound with Grace, Alessia, and Marjorie. Welcome, welcome to this week's very, very special episode. It is our draft slash free agency special, and I'm so very excited for this episode. I've been looking forward to this episode for the longest time, and I'm sure the girls have uh, been too. It's probably one of the things we love to talk about the most here on our show. And not only is this our 10th episode, but is the final episode of season two. So we'll get a little bit into that uh, towards the end of this episode. But uh, I hope you guys enjoy. There's lots and lots of news to to catch up on. We have lots of opinions uh, stirring in our head that we're just ready and excited to let out. (laughs) So we're going to get started first with the draft. So the draft was, what, two nights ago from today, which is our recording day. Um, And I'm going to say the jinx is officially gone because... We predicted the top three picks in perfect order, even though it's probably not that hard and most people did it. We still did it. And I'm very proud of us. It's so. impressive for us. <laughs> it is yeah, impressive. impressive. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, if we didn't pick Lafreniere as number one, then I think we our whole show just got discredited, like gets discredited there. But luckily we chose him, so we're fine for now. That was but- so anticlimactic. <laughs> One of the most, like, predictable drafts I think we've ever seen. Oh, yeah. Especially for the first overall. It was like, Kako or Hughes, who's going to go first? Nobody actually knew. And this year it was like, yeah, Lafreniere, that's it. Or even with, like, Nico Heischer and uh, Nolan Patrick, that was also another draft class where, like, you didn't know at all. Like, I honestly thought that uh, Nolan was going to go first, but then obviously Nico did, and I was like, oh, that's... That's always a fun draft, but uh, <laughs> but this year's draft specifically was extra fun and exciting because of the circumstances we see ourselves in. Um, it was interesting to see how uh, they got it done. Overall, personally, I did enjoy the way they got it done. Um, I think they got it done in a way that it was like efficient, you know. No, no, like, no, I mean, they did efficient. not. No, efficient for the teams, like efficient for the teams think, that like okay. they didn't spend a lot of time on the teams and like that's what I, I meant. think. I think it was nice because you got to see like firsthand the family's reactions. But the first round took I don't know how many hours, and even the yeah. second day of the draft, it's just like I was like the oh second my gosh, round. It started at eleven thirty, and they weren't through the second round until like two something. Yeah, that's that's you know how insane, insane that is? amount of time. I mean, okay, let me clarify. I meant efficient in the way that teams carried themselves and the way that the picks got done. I'm not gonna say the production was efficient because there's many things that they could have improved on, but at the same time, it's the first time they've ever done something like this. Um I agree with Alessia. It was nice to see the family's reaction, but me and Grace were talking about it. And it is a little awkward to kind of have that personal um, insight or that like look into their into their family home into the living room. I, it feels like kind of like I was intruding. Yeah. And especially since there's and me, Grace, and yeah. me and Grace were, were talking about how um, I think what stood out the most and what was the most awkward part is that there's not a lot of background noise so all you hear is them talking and all you hear is them celebrating cheering and like that's all you hear so you're getting 
you're you're getting insight into their private conversation which is really weird because in a normal draft you see them hugging each other but you can't hear what they're saying to each other and you can't hear the congratulatory uh, congratulatory um you know salutes or whatever to one another so i thought that was a little awkward and i felt a little bit like out of place just like watching them yeah <laughs> hug and each that, other that was yeah. my thing i really enjoyed the fact that they got to be with their families the whole time and mm-hmm. that they weren't whisked away to the stage and then to media mm-hmm. because like the moms in some cases the moms got to hand them their hats or the dads got to hand them their hats like Which that's is so, so sweet. sweet yeah that's yeah. so cool yeah but I don't know why they don't do that more often <laughs> right but then there was like watching Lafreniere's reaction to being drafted and they all just like stood up like robots and hugged each other and I was like, yeah. oh, okay. this is awkward. Okay, I don't know if it's because he, like, just knew that he was going to get drafted yeah. to the Rangers. So that's, was, yeah, that's one factor. So he, so he was like, whoa, whoa, surprise, surprise. Or it could also be that his family is really private. But um, but aside from him, it was nice seeing everybody else kind of cheer on with their family. And um, it was really sweet and it was endearing seeing that the way they got it done. Uh, so I really enjoyed that part. Um, and honestly, I would rather have drafts be like that than in big arenas. I feel like, I mean, it's nice to have fans, uh, from the host city come and take part in the draft. And I know it's exciting because they want to see who their, who their team drafts, but I feel like it's just such a big production and it kind of sometimes takes away from what is actually going on. You know, these, these, these kids are still kids these guys are still kids it and I'm not going to mention how they're younger than us because every time I see that they're born in 2002 I kind of want to scream and I feel like <laughs> like I feel like I'm 60 imagine uh, next year when they're oh threes oh my god stop <laughs> and um and so sometimes I feel like the, the the production takes away from what it's about because these are kids who are getting drafted to and taking part in in something that they've been dreaming of since they were a little little and um, I think it was nice that we got to see something like this. And I hope they can at least try to incorporate some of the features that they did from this year's draft in, you know, upcoming drafts. I think the whole experience of like the draft inside an arena is cool for the player because, you know, they're going up onto the stage. It's also pretty nerve wracking, to be honest, oh, yeah. when you're like a young kid and you're going up on a stage, you're meeting the general managers for the first time. So I think the only people or group of people that the draft hurt in a sense like going virtually is the gms because a lot of gms when they're trying to like do trades they go like to table to table now this year it's like all on the phone trying to see what's going on but i liked how the players were like they had their own little watch parties with the family because you Mm -hmm. see like i think it was even um i think quinn hughes his draft year they had a whole group of family members come but really in the stands it's only like his immediate family and the rest of the family is like somewhere else. So it was nice to see that everybody was like together. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I mean, I liked it in the sense because uh, I think I said this to Grace that it kind of reminded me of the, like, like an NFL draft because yes, yeah, because a lot of the players obviously are from home and then they get the call. And sometimes I feel like that's even like more exciting because not only do you get to be in the comfort of your own home, you get to be with the people you love. You get to see your name pop up on the TV. And I feel like it hits you more. I feel like when you're, when they're in the stadium, it's too much too fast. Not only do you see your name get called out by the commissioner, but then you have to, okay, 
thanks, mom and dad, love you. And then let me run down to the stage, put in the hat, get pictures, go into the press room, talk yeah. to all these reporters, talk to the GM, talk to players. It's just a lot too much. It's too much too soon. And so um, I would like to see the NHL kind of like kind of take these really good elements that they had and kind of apply into future drafts. But now I'm going to turn it on its head and then ask you guys, what could they have done better? You know, I know it was, I feel like they did a really good job preparing for a draft like this because of what, because of the situation we're in right now, but what could they have done that better to kind of improve some of the little mistakes that they had throughout the show? Or what would you like to have seen in the draft overall? I think that there was a lot of like stuff that they couldn't stop. So the delays in feeds, that mm -hmm. kind of stuff that made it a little bit longer and more difficult. Mm -hmm. um, but like they can't, they can't do anything about that. So whatever. Um, I didn't really notice anything that I like really didn't like or something that I really missed. Um, so I don't know. I think it was, it was great the way that they handled it, considering that they couldn't be together at all. Mm -hmm. um, and I thought that having Brian Burke in the studio the whole time for round one was actually kind of fun. I enjoyed that. So I, um, I don't really have anything else that they could have done better. Yeah, like Grace said, there wasn't really anything that I didn't like other than the delays, which the NHL obviously could not control. That was mainly it. I mean, the panel was great and going into mm -hmm. like insights and you know, giving their opinions on players and then also what have teams have been doing and how this player is going to help them. So yeah, there really wasn't anything to dislike. So good for you, NHL. And I'm also just going to mention like the graphics and everything because we are sport media students. And of course, we're going to notice these things. And I think they, the, I mean, they always have graphics like that for obviously other drafts, but I think they kind of elevated it and it was cool to see how they um, made it part of the broadcast. And I also just love that. So I wanted to point that out, but we can't end off this point without mentioning that beautiful, beautiful introduction by Alex Trebek for Ottawa's third round. Stop, third round I pick. That was so oh my good. God. That was when amazing. I, when I saw him pop up on the screen, I, I think I screamed. I thought it was like the most, the most creative thing that they could have done. It was incredible. And I think just knowing all, everything that Alex Trebek has uh, been through and he's Canada's treasure really and I think every Canadian loves him and adores him not even I think everybody in the world who knows who he is just adores him and I thought it was super cool that Ottawa decided to kind of include him and have that I know that everybody was like raving about it oh yeah, yeah it was, was fantastic was, it was also nice was to break so cool. up the like the set in stone scene you see of the team's GM standing at a podium with a mic it was yeah. nice to break that up with with Alex Trebek oh my god it's flipping out I flipped yeah. out the whole time it was awesome I loved it I loved I loved everything about it so I just I, I needed to make sure we mentioned it because it was probably the best part of this year's draft like hands down but since we got through the kind of logistical things that happened in this year's logistical draft, <laughs> we're gonna talk about the actual draftees if that's what we call them can I say yes is drafty yeah. a word? Okay, yeah. good. Just making sure. You can go with it. <laughs> and so, 
As I wrote here, surprise, surprise, Lafreniere goes first overall to the New York Rangers. And then Quentin Byfield followed right after him at number two with the Kings. Uh, I just want to point out really fast that he's the highest drafted black player in NHL history. And that is very, very good. Which is amazing. And I hope one day that we have a number one to kind of beat him. And um, hopefully there's more. So it's it's an also very exciting thing to have. Um, and then right after that, we have Mr. Tim Stutzel, who was introduced by the great Alex Trebek, and he grabbed that final kind of top three um, spot with the Ottawa Senators. And I know that we spoke about them maybe a couple episodes ago, and I feel like everybody kind of knows what they need to know about these players. I think it's kind of obvious information at this point, but I kind of want to talk about the number four and number five picks. So at number four, we have Lucas Raymond, who went with the Detroit Red Wings. So he's a right winger, left winger. So he's interchangeable in that sense. He played for Prolunda HC of the Swedish Hockey League. And then in there, he played 33 games and grabbed four goals and 10 points overall. Um, He's 5'10". So he's not that big compared to other players in the NHL or maybe other players in his draft class. You know, when I say 5'10", we all know that 5'10 is not a short stature. I'm 5'2". <laughs> That's a short stature, okay? I am 5'6", <laughs> and I tower over Marjorie. So <laughs> I am tiny. <laughs> but 5'10 uh, for hockey players is kind of petite. And then when you see them on the ice, it's very, very noticeable. And so um, he's not that big compared to other players in the league. And then when I was looking up, what kind of things he's known for and what kind of things he's good at. He's known for his playmaking abilities. He has hockey IQ and he has a great shooting ability. So overall, I think it's a pretty solid pick for the wings. Um, We all know that they kind of (laughs) need, you know, good offensive players or just a good team overall. And so I feel like, I don't know, or I don't know if I, I should consider Detroit as a team that's completely rebuilding. I don't know what you guys think about that. Do you guys think that Detroit is like a team that's completely rebuilding? I think Detroit's been a team that's been completely rebuilding for a couple of years now. Um, one of my... Or at least trying to. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, one of my cousins is a huge Detroit fan. And we where he's my nemesis anyway but that's personal (laughs) never mind um and he he doesn't care what the team does at this point because they're starting over Mm. uh so that's kind of one of the one of the points that I take where it's like yeah they're they're starting over is that a great player to take when you're starting over yeah because he has tons of room for development um Mm -hmm. and you can take him and mold him into the player you want him to be 10 points in 33 games as a winger it's, it's not it's, fantastic, but it's obviously rough. he went number four, so he's he's good at playing hockey. So whatever. I think it's a fine pick. Everybody was saying it was a curveball. That was the first curveball of the night that Detroit threw. And I was like, oh, was it really? I don't think it is. <laughs> so yeah, I think it's fine. I mean, I mean, like like you mentioned, there's so many like he has so many abilities that probably pushed him up into that number four spot he's a versatile player and I was kind of doing my research I'm like okay who could he potentially be like so he plays a left wing mainly but he has a right shot which is why a lot of people sometimes kind of 
projectum to play similar to our Temi Panarin. So I guess as if you're Detroit, you're hoping that actually happens. Mm-hmm. But I mean, yes, 10, 10 points in 33 games played. I'm not too familiar with the Swedish Hockey League, but I'm going to assume it's a lot of men exactly in that league, right? So yeah. when we look at these players who are coming from like the Swedish Hockey League, from Finland, you also have to consider that it's not like the OHL, probably. They're playing with more um, older players. And I mean, we did mention size. He is 5'10", but we've seen in the NHL sometimes size means nothing. Sometimes the smaller players, the more speedy, uh, skilled players go far. So we'll see what happens with Lucas Raymond. But it overall was a good pick for Detroit. Yeah, and, and like Alessia said, you took the words right out of my mouth. It's, you know, having that um, kind of, you have him as an, uh, like, um, as an asset because he played in the Swed- Swedish Hockey League. And um, I think when you, whenever you can get experienced playing with guys who are a little bit tougher, who have more experience, that definitely builds you up a lot quicker. And um, it definitely gives him an edge over, I would say, OHL players. And so moving on to number five, we have Mr. Jake Sanderson, who went with the Ottawa Senators. So now he's a defenseman. He was part of the USA National Team Development. Is that is that what it stands for? National Team Development Program. There we go. That's a T. And played, <laughs> and played for the University of North Dakota in the NCAA. And so he plays 47 games as captain with the uh, U.S. National Team Under-17 uh, team. And then he managed seven goals and 22 assists, which is actually pretty, pretty good for a defense. Yeah, that's nice. So it's yep. it's a it's a really solid another solid pickup for, uh, from Ottawa, um, and I mentioned they can bring him up alongside their other young defensemen like Shabbat, like England, and then he can also learn from other veteran defensemen such as Hainsey, and I'm gonna try to pronounce this correctly. You guys can help me with this one. Or what? I can do it. <laughs> yeah, you do it, Grace. I can do it. Or a wacky. There we go. <laughs> I've heard so many people like pronounce it differently. I'm just so scared. Yeah, I'm like, I'm just gonna say, I'm just gonna go with the other defenseman there. But I so, believe he. I think I saw um, recently that he will be testing the market, so I'm not too sure he's gonna be coming back to Ottawa. But in terms of Jake Sanderson, he wasn't ranked as high at the beginning when the NHL put out kind of like their um, their like central scouting like list. But at the end, their final list that he was ranked fourth above Jamie Drysdale, who is projected to be kind of like one of the better defenders in this draft. Mm-hmm. So now that he was drafted fifth, Ottawa taking him there, um, he's kind of seen as one of the best defensemen in the draft right now. Yeah, and it, I think his numbers kind of speak for himself. I know it's it's different because um, those numbers are based off of like national team games and it, it's not... I guess, consistent games if he's playing in an actual um, league like the OHL or like part of the CHL or some team in Europe. But it's still it's still impressive to see those kinds of numbers because even though they're not games that you're playing at a weekly basis or so on, I don't know how these games are actually played, but it's nice to see that he can actually score and he can keep consistent and he, he knows how to find uh, his way to the net. And even playing with the University of North Dakota, I think that's also another great um, 
another great, I don't want to say asset, another great thing to have on his portfolio because um, once again, you're playing with a little bit older players that wouldn't essentially be playing in the OHL because the OHL obviously has a ca- like an age cap of what you uh, when you can stop playing. And so at least in the NCAA, you can play with a little bit older players who are probably in their fourth or fifth year of university. So I think once again, it's great for the Ottawa Senators because we all know that they're in complete rebuild mode. And so it's nice for them to get another great top tier uh, prospect in a defenseman because like I said before, Shabbat has been a really good um, player that's been growing within their system because I really enjoy Shabbat and I think he's going to be one of the top defensemen in the league uh, sooner than later. So now we're going to get to the juicy stuff. The things I've been wanting to talk about the most. This is our favorite thing ever. Our group chat blew up. Oh my God. (laughs) I almost literally died trying to cross the street yesterday because I was trying, (laughs) I was trying to keep track of the trades and text you guys at the same time. And I almost tripped, I like literally tripped over my foot, but I luckily I didn't fall to the ground. And I'm sure people saw me and probably like, I'm not a teenager on their phone, almost tripping. And I was like, well, it's for good reason. Not because I'm texting <laughs> nonsense. And so <laughs> we're going to get to the very first trade that absolutely blew my mind yesterday. And I was texting everybody I knew, which was basically just Grace, Alessia, my brother-in-law, and talking <laughs> about this trade. And the trade is the Pittsburgh Penguins traded goalie Matt Murray to the Ottawa Senators for left winger Jonathan Gruden in a 2020 second round pick of 52nd overall, which is obviously they picked yesterday. <sighs> so first off, I'm just going to start off with who won this trade and then we can get into the logistics and then we can go off. But first, I just want you to guys say who won this trade. I know who lost the trade. Matt Murray. Okay, that's not the yeah. that's not the question, Grace. <laughs> I think okay. I think Ottawa won just because when I look at the trade, they paid a very small price to get a well-established goalie going forward. We know Matt Murray, he's proven himself. He's won two Stanley Cups. Um, I mean, he had one season that wasn't the greatest, and I believe that was because of an injury, but it shouldn't mm-hmm. take away from how great of a goalie he is. I mean, we did mention, um, I don't know if it was one episode ago, two episodes ago, um, that they would probably be deciding between Jari and Murray. And I said that they would probably go younger with Jari, which obviously that ended up happening. Um, I mean, the prospect that the Pittsburgh Penguins got, he, you know, he's projected to be a decent player, but I think Ottawa did a great job in uh, targeting Murray and getting him, considering that they have, you know, all these prospects and great young players coming up. Yeah, I'm going to agree with that. It's very clear that Ottawa won this trade. I'm going to leave it at that. Okay, Grace agreed with me, so perfect. So my question (laughs) is, what are the Penguins trying to accomplish accomplish with this trade? Gruden has not played an NHL game yet in his career. So he played with uh, with the Knights in the OHL. So he had 66 points and 59 games played, which is great. That's those are great statistics for a player in the OHL. I like, I'm not gonna kind of diminish, you know, his achievement with that with the season with the Knights. 
But at the same time, like Alessia mentioned, Matt Murray had won one bad season. And I feel like his whole career was kind of decided uh, off of that one bad season. And then we have to kind of just take a look at the bigger, like the bigger picture here. You know, not only did Matt Murray win them two Stanley Cups, I'm pretty sure in one of those seasons, if not the season after those seasons, he also took time off because his unfortunately his father passed away and then he came back and he was still playing you know at his best which is all you can ask from a player who's went through something so traumatic like that and I feel like Matt Murray has given a lot to that organization and I was talking to my brother-in-law and saying how this is a bad look for me this is a bad look on the Penguins because it kind of feels like they're kind of disrespecting Murray in a way well I so you Sorry, can, that's that's what okay. that's what I'm saying. It was just that's how I feel. I feel like the penguin—it's kind of just a bad look on the penguins. I think that the penguins are in a difficult situation because they have those teams, those players from that dynasty mm-hmm. that are all locked in with no trade clauses. Um, they can't they can't trade Crosby or Malkin. Like, and this team isn't winning. This team isn't doing well, and I think they're not in a win now situation. They're in a we need to be a contender in the next four years so considering the fact that they traded for a prospect and for a pick that's where they're heading they're heading to being a contender in the next few years and I think that trading Murray is a way to offload some of that cap hit where Mm -hmm. they can because they can't trade a lot of their veterans it's kind of insane that those are the contracts that they signed um but that's a six years ago problem so it's um it's I think that they it wasn't the best thing to do for Matt Murray I also feel like it was done in an agreeable fashion I don't think they just like called Matt Murray and were like hey by the way you're going to the Sens I think it was a very open discussion because I don't see it happening in a dirty way the thing the thing for me is that like like uh I understand that you know you know, it had to be done. But in my mind, I feel like there there probably could have been a better value for Matt Murray. You know, like I said, I'm not gonna kind of just get rid of the fact that like, you know, the Penguins are getting two prospects and it's nice for their organization. I feel like there just could have been more to kind of uh, value Murray's name or at least kind of give him a situation where he can continue playing for a team that can actually help him in his career rather than him having to solely help the team I feel like he needs a good mix and right now with Ottawa I feel like it's just going to be a little bit one-sided for the next year or a couple of years that he's going to be in Ottawa which is in for- unfortunate because like we said he is a great goalie but at the same time, I feel like maybe the Penguins could have at least given him hope or at least given him the chance to play with a team that, I can, that can actually use him properly. So that's the only bone I have to pick with, with that whole situation of getting rid of him. But either way, it's done. What's done is done. Murray has left Pittsburgh and I was going to ask you guys this question like did he deserve to end off his career in Pittsburgh like this I think I think we all kind of explained that 
I, I think it's also a weird season for anything to yeah happen yeah because um, it's not like they actually got to to end the season at home or anything um exactly so I think it is a little odd you could ask this question of literally anybody who's been traded because they mm-hmm. didn't actually get to end their career in that city um properly so I don't know I think it's it's weird the whole thing is yeah weird. like it, it's, it's unfortunate <laughs> considering the circumstances but at the same time Murray did accomplish a lot so exactly I mean I, I guess like the penguins didn't have another choice like looking at it I don't know anyway we'll see how how it turns out for Murray in Ottawa luckily luckily it's not an awful um or like a bad scenario that I think I'm kind of thinking of that he won't be able to, I guess, uh, perform in his best. But there's lots of time. He's still a really young player. And uh, there's lots of times for him to kind of maybe grow with the Senators and become that solid goalkeeper, uh, goaltender that they've been looking for. And so next up, we have the Nashville Predators. So they traded their centerman, Mr. Nick Bonino, and their 37th and 70th draft pick in this year's draft, which has also already happened, for centerman slash right winger Luke Coonan in the 101st pick in this year's draft as well. So once again, this is so bad. I can't. Hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> Hold on, hold it in. Who won this trade? I want one word answers here, ladies. One word answers. <laughs> okay. I think we know the answer. There you go. I can't say it in one word. <laughs> this was by far weirder than like the, the Matt Murray trade just because it was it's just weird this is just bad it's a bad trade it's the weirdest trade i've ever seen in my life as a hockey fan like okay so are is nashville rebuilding because if they are why are you getting rid of top round picks that's that was my thing i'm like okay (laughs) you want to trade bonino you're getting another younger center okay i don't that's fine whatever why why did the preds have to include those draft picks and, like, why would they want an 101st pick? Like, that makes no sense. Unless unless they're, like, they wanted to use that as leverage and, like, maybe trade it for something else. But, but then they didn't, so. So it, it makes no sense. And then, and then we found out that they also bought out Kyle Torres and Steven Santini. <laughs> and then so that just makes matters even weirder. Because, <laughs> well, I mean. Okay, if you look at Kyle Turris, he had nine goals, 22 assists, and 62 games played with the Predators this season. I'm pretty sure his annual cap hit is $6 million. Huh. So, yeah. So, <laughs> there's lots. Yeah, so there you go. Before he arrived in Nashville, three out of the four seasons prior to him arriving there, he had over 20 goals. Like, mm. I think there was only one season where he had under 20 goals. So when joining the pre- Predators, he hasn't come close to scoring the 26, 24, 27 goals a season like he did with Ottawa. So I think kind of the Predators were looking at him being, okay, $6 million is way too much yeah, to it, have it, a player like him. But like, he's a good player, but... But what I find weird is that they just did all of this 
in one day in like one moment is like they put like they bought out these players and then they traded yeah. Nick Bonino and then they got this guy named Luke Kunin. Yeah, this happened in 10 minutes. <laughs> like this was like like all very I blinked quick. my eyes and then boom, everything happened. And I think I was telling you guys, oh my god, I can't remember the statistics that I I said to you guys yesterday about Luke Kunin. I was like, what did I say? Excuse me for a moment, please. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Kunin got 31 points at the past season and then 17 the one prior. So it's not... He's a young, he's a young player. Basically, this yeah. trade was, we'll give you an older centerman and we'll take a younger one. That's, that's what it was basically but the thing is Bonino's kind of more established in the league which is why I'm like why did you need to throw in those draft picks yeah that's if what you're I really trying to understand. build younger you know like the only thing when I'm looking at Bonino and Kunin in these playoffs Kunin had two goals in four games Bonino had one goal in four games <laughs> that, so that's like that I mean tick for tack basically yeah and like it's not like the Predators have a prospect pool that's just like thriving uh, we literally talked about this yesterday. What prospects do they have? Like, you know, there's every every team you look at a Crickets. team and you know at least, you know, like a couple of prospects exactly. that are coming up. So like the Leafs, like Robertson, you know, you kind of, you know. And we asked each other in our group chat, we're like, who, what prospect do we know of off the top of our head? I mean, maybe we, maybe maybe because we're not too familiar with the team, because Predators fans probably saying, yeah, we have this prospect. But for me, I can't really, I don't know any right now, which is why I'm like, if you're going to, if you have the plan to build younger, keep those draft picks somehow. They're decent draft picks. It's the 37th overall pick. Yeah. If I'm Minnesota. Know, that's top of the I'm, second round. If exactly. Minnesota, I'm like happy that I got those two draft picks. Oh, cause, yeah. Because I feel like Minnesota, Minnesota just should have basked oh, yeah. it. Yeah, I think Minnesota can definitely use them because um, they do have some young players on their team, and I feel like it'd be a good way to bring those two picks up. It's I find it weird that they got Bonino because, like we said, it's not like he's the most productive player, and uh, he is a little bit older. So that one I'm a little bit confused as to why they specifically traded for Nick Bonino because they had a young centerman in Luke Kunin. And so I feel like that situation is a little weird. Like but maybe the picks, they need leadership. That kind of makes sense. Maybe. Yeah. But I think the only good thing about this trade is the picks going to Minnesota. I feel like it's the weirdest switcheroo. Like it makes no sense. Minnesota switched a young player in an, a really like low pick uh draft uh, draft pick to nashville and then nashville traded their older sentiment and two higher up draft picks to minnesota like it's just the opposite it, <laughs> it's it, it's weird that's all i can say i just i just want to see what nashville is going to back this trade up with because with this trade it, i mean it looks like they're going younger so let's see if there's any other moves that they're gonna like go through with during this off season because the only two players that I know on Nashville are Roman Yossi and Pecorine. I'm trying to think about their roster. I'm trying to imagine their lineups in my head and I cannot. And I don't know why, 
maybe because I don't watch Nashville games, but I honestly can't. I just can't. I mean, they do. They do Duchesne. have Duchesne. They have Forsberg. Ah, so, Duchesne. like, you but know, still, they there, have there like are a lot of veteran players. Yeah. They have a lot of veteran players that um, could help them out. They just need to, you know, up the game a bit. Either way, it's a weird situation. I like, like you guys said, I want to see what Nashville does with that, especially now that Peter Laviolette is gone. Um, they really are changing you know the first team by a lot so it'll be very interesting how that kind of plays out next season and it'll be interesting to see how Minnesota uses those two picks and kind of brings them up in their system so now this wasn't necessarily a trade I just found it very intriguing because we spoke about Stamkos in the last episode so I wanted to speak or two episodes ago either way we spoke about him and I read that Stamkos isn't part of the Lightning's like untouchables, which includes Braden Point, uh, Kucherov, and uh, Victor Hedman. And so I found it unique that their captain wasn't part of it. Um, but I was reading that's probably because of his injuries, and it's just very unrealistic that he would actually leave Tampa. Yeah, I don't but, see that happening. But at the same time, the Lightning do need more space in order to sign their RFAs. So it's highly unlikely that they'll get rid of Stamkos to kind of, you know, sign those other players. But it's interesting to see that there is that possibility that he's he is up in the air and he is somewhat available to a certain extent. You know, what I mean, would be buying for him? I don't know. <laughs> I, I think also it would think- kind of be... Uh... Grace, go. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> I think it could be a negotiation <laughs> tactic. Um, being like teams could be like, hey, we'll take Stamkos for this and this. And then the Lightning are like, no, you can't have Stamkos, but here's these things. So I think it, it could be a negotiation tactic for sure. Um, because I don't I don't see him leaving. They hold him to such high esteem. There's no way that they just throw him away. I think if anything, it would be Tampa's last resort. I mean, there's kind of like things pointing to why the possibility of him him parting ways with Tampa because I mean he is getting old he has been he has sustained a lot of injuries and then we also saw Tampa win the cup basically without him yeah and they had they they hold Stamkos to such a high standard in Tampa and everybody loves him there so I think if Tampa's trying to clear some cap or they want to make some changes I think it would be like kind of like their last resort, but that's obviously a possibility that's open just because of what we saw this year, Tampa going all the way without their captain, without having him there. So Tampa, the organization understands that the talent that they have, they can go far. They can't, you know, they don't really need to rely on Stamkos, although Stamkos is an amazing player. Yeah, so I thought it would just be kind of uh, fun to add that in because I found it really interesting and it's nice to know that um, or not nice. It's it's interesting to know that a player of that degree is kind of just lingering around, mm-hmm. and it is possible for someone to actually snatch him up. And so now we're going to move into free agency, which is obviously in direct correlation with uh, trades. But <laughs> we're going to move into free day, free agency, um, our own little free agency tracker, a very like a, a light version if you want to say that right now. And so these are our top players who are still 
available. So we have Mr. Taylor Hall. <sighs> so yesterday it was announced that he will be testing the free market and he will not resign with the Coyotes. So Taylor Hall, yes. I think this is great for Taylor Hall. I think this is the worst for Arizona because Taylor Hall is like a really big leader on their team. Um, not just in like scoring or anything, but like in the locker room. Mm -hmm. And I think it's going to be really hard for them to replace that, especially with the younger core they have coming up. Um, I think it's been really difficult for them to get a new leader in there, like Taylor Hall for their younger guys. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I was go ahead, just going to say he had, like Grace said, he's been a great leader for Arizona. He has 27 points in 35 games played. So if Arizona and Taylor Hall won't be coming to a negotiation or a contract, then will Arizona test out the free market or the free agency market themselves to try and replace him? I don't know because, I mean, we've seen the Arizona Coyotes have been kind of a mess this offseason. So, you know, yeah. this I mean, is like Grace said, it's great for Taylor Hall. Yeah, but I mean, now Arizona just needs to figure out what they have to do. We all know that he he can play exceptionally well. I you know I, I saw that he was able to rack up more than eighty points twice in his career. One with the uh, Oilers back in the 2013-2014 season with eighty points, and then the 2017-2018 season with the Devils with ninety three points. And I feel like we all know that Taylor Hall has the ability to be an exceptional player. It's just um. It's, it's a sad situation to see for a player like him who was drafted number one overall and have these problems and hop from team to team and not be able to find his place, find his people, and connect with other players. Um, I think he has had, like, good relationships, and, you know, that's why he's been able to, to score and, you know, collect points. But it's, it's weird to see a number one pick just constantly changing teams because like we all know number one picks usually stay with the team that drafted them for many many years and so like grace said this is amazing for taylor hall because it gives him the opportunity to go to a team that maybe will actually use him properly that will give him more of a chance to kind of give him what he's craving which is obviously win a stanley cup and um I mean, I don't know who do you possibly think would actually grab him and use him and would benefit from having a player like him on their team. Well, I was who's, gonna, it, who's this, in the market for a left winger? This is just like because I've been seeing some rumors, and now that Columbus has, um, they're not going to be signing Gwenberg, or they put him on waivers today. Yeah, I they believe. put him on waivers today. Yeah. Um, I heard a rumor that potentially because of the trade that they um, they traded Josh Anderson and they're also putting Wenberg on waivers that they could be making room for a guy like Taylor Hall. And now there's also some rumors coming out that uh, the Predators are interested as well in Taylor Hall. So those are two teams that are kind of front running and there's been rumors about Montreal as well, but I don't know about that. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not too like, sure. Alessia how, shakes her head in disgust. How, she's like, no, it's it's not in disgust. I'm just saying I don't know how credible those <laughs> the sources are. The the rumors are about that, but I I do feel that the Predators and Columbus have kind of they have the space and they kind of it like 
it makes sense for them. I would I would actually I would actually love to see Taylor Hall in Columbus. I think yeah, him playing under Tortorella would be I feel like that would be a good combination. I feel like Taylor Hall would be able to kind of take on a coach like Tortorella. And I think Columbus has a great defense. We've spoken about that many, many times. And I think by adding another great, um, you know, forward like Taylor Hall, I think that would make an excellent, excellent fit. So I think that'd actually be awesome for Taylor Hall. Um, And then my last question was just, why can't Taylor Hall manage to find an arena he calls home? What is it? Is it because teams, you know, don't want to invest in him? Is it because, you know, of his scoring abilities? Is it because he can't mesh well with other teammates? Like, why is it he he's always on the move? I don't know. I honestly... <laughs> May I, I mean, like you said, maybe they just these teams don't want to take a risk. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's really the only thing we've seen how talented he is. It's just unfortunate that he hasn't found a team that he can call his home and a team where he can, you know, stay put for a little while and perform like and stay there and perform and produce. But I mean, yeah, I think it's interesting because Taylor Hall isn't a player like Tyler Sagan who like has all these rumors and everything flying around about him. So it's not like the negative presence is obvious and it might not even be a negative thing. It might just be that he, he can't, the chemistry isn't there with his team, which is fine. Um, So I don't know. I think it's the whole thing is kind of interesting and it'll be interesting to see how it plays out for him. But I have news that just came out. Oh, okay. Okay. The Chicago Blackhawks will not be, coming to an agreement with Corey Crawford. Crawford, oh my gosh, another goalie. So we were just going to mention how Anton Gudobin also is going to be testing out the free um, agency market, which is so interesting. Um, Wait, I think this is the the first time we've broken news live on the show. (laughs) Whoa. Good job, Grace. (laughs) Intro, like enter like a little like soundbite of breaking news. I think we did it once on the radio show. I think right when we were about to start the show, must have been like five minutes. I can't remember what it was, but we were like, oh my gosh, this just happened. We had to break it. Oh, the good the old news. days. The good old days in the radio station. Good job, Grace, for noticing that. <laughs> but either way, that's that's um, very exciting news because I think a couple episodes ago, we also to- uh, spoke about how Corey Crawford was also one of the top goalies that we, we thought would be up for grabs in this free agency. Um, but moving on to another goaltender that is on our list is, of course, Mr. Marc-Andre Fleury. We can't uh, go a segment without mentioning his name. I don't want to talk about it anymore. <laughs> and so I'm going to say his stats one more time, even though we've said them like a billion times. So he got, he had a 2.77 goals against average and a 0.905 save percentage. Over 49 games played with the Vegas Golden Knights this past season. It's not uh, horrendous numbers, but it's not the most amazing numbers I've seen in my life either for Marc-Andre Fleury. Okay, Grace, like, here's here's the thing. No, I don't kill you because it's true. Um, Marc-Andre Fleury isn't going to be a free agent. Marc-Andre Fleury is going to be traded. That's the only way they can get him out this year. And I just see a tweet from Jesse Granger, um, who covers the Golden Knights for The Athletic. Mm Mm-hmm. 
about the available goalie market. So right now there's Henrik Lundqvist, Braden Holtby, Corey Crawford, Anton Kudobin, Jacob March- Markstrom, Thomas Grease, Cam Talbot, and Jimmy Howard. So the chances of the Golden Knights being able to trade Marc-Andre Fleury, slim to none. Very slim, especially because he turns 36 next year. You know, yeah, he's not getting any younger. High-class goalies. Exactly. Who have proven that they are really, really good. And so the the chances of that happening, really small amount. There are so many teams who need, who need goaltenders and... Um, that can actually that actually have the space to sign those uh like Grace said top tier goalies it's sad for Mark Andre because he obviously is now going to be the number two goaltender for Vegas which is obviously something that he's uh, not used to hopefully there's a deal that comes his way that he can actually just grab and you know take it and run and hopefully it's the right situation for him but it's hard well yeah and that's the thing it's going to be up to the team yeah like because mark andre Fleury won't have a say in any of this because he isn't a free agent um he still has a year left on his contract so mm. it's um it's going to be interesting to see how that works so mark andre Fleury with a little asterisk next to his name <laughs> yes <laughs> and so Last, we have Alex Petrangelo. Oh, dear Alex. I think the only thing that has changed uh, since we last spoke about him is that the contract negotiations that we thought would go smooth (laughs) have not been going smooth. No, they have not. (laughs) And now he's going to hit the market. Yeah, so once again, he had 52 points in 70 games played with the Blues. Those are very pretty numbers, if you ask me. He was drafted number four by the Blues in the 2008 draft. And he's been one of the most consistent defensemen in the league in terms of, uh, like, point production and stuff like that. He had 41 points in the 2018-2019 season and then 54 points in the 2017-2018 season. So he has been pretty consistent. We all know he's a great defenseman, a great offensive defenseman, clearly by the numbers he's been putting up these past few seasons. Um, It sucks that the talks did not go well. I was very surprised to see when that information did come out. I mean, I was surprised and not surprised. I was surprised because, you know, I think we were surprised. He's been a blues for so long. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Not even that because there was, there was so many, you know, people saying in terms of representatives from the blues that, you know, contract, talks were going good at that point like when we were first talking about him we were saying okay the blues are gonna make room they're gonna try to make room at least to sign Pachangelo but now it's like the reverse contract talks weren't going as planned and now he's gonna hit the market so that was kind of like the shocking point because we thought everything was going good I mean even in that episode I think we mentioned how um there was obviously the possibility that he would leave because uh, the Blues' cap space was so tight. And yes, they basically had no room to sign, resign any of their other players. And so I feel like we said that Petrangelo would probably have to take a small pay cut or like, like a, just a really different scenario would have to be put in place for him to continue being a blue 
lives. And so once again, my question is, where do you see him growing? I don't know. I have no insight. For this one, I, I, I don't know. I'm like trying... It's such an odd situation. Um, Because, like, I can't imagine him in any other jersey but a blues jersey. That's the thing. Yeah, exactly. Unless it's another blue jersey. Wink, wink. Marjorie. (laughs) No. I'm not going to say it out loud because I don't want anything to happen to me. But, um... (laughs) Oh, you mean the Tampa Bay Lightning? (laughs) Oh, yeah, them. Like, I always remember the text I sent you guys when Tampa was still playing. And I was like, if I squint my eyes, it's like the, the leaves It looks like play. the maple leaves. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I can't, I can't come up with a team right at the top of my head who is, one, looking for a very veteran defenseman and someone with that kind of leadership ability who can lead the whole team because a lot of players already a lot of teams already have those players in forms of captains and so on so I mean these are also exciting because it's it's exciting to see because these are such big names and it's going to be so exciting to see where they where they do land because like I said these are some of them are players that have been with their the same organization since they were drafted um, players who can't find homes you know there's so many goaltenders in this market. It's so exciting to see where all of they land up, if they're going to resign, if they're going to get traded, whatever. So it's very, very exciting. Um, there's probably so many more players that are going to get signed, traded in the next couple of days. If There's probably going to be some today. Who knows? There's already been so many that are, you know, been put on waivers and whatever. So it'll be exciting to see what happens with this. Hopefully when we do come back, we can finally give you insight into our opinion into where all these players landed but now we're gonna move on to the way it's the way i love the way <laughs> so the way so the way oh my gives me so much serotonin <laughs> <laughs> especially when marjorie says it exactly the way. you're welcome thank for you my beautiful that. singing voice i really so. needed that I decided to make this week's question a very... Marjorie decided to stir the pot and make this week's question a question where I will say two words, Marjorie will say two words, and then Alessia gets to talk for 15 minutes. So let's do that. That's essentially what I said to Alessia yesterday when I was telling her, because she's our social media person. I was like, I'm going to make it this question because one... It's one of the biggest trades that has come out of this week. And two, I know you're going to have lots of points on it. So <laughs> I think it's yes. the, the perfect question for this week. It is, drum roll, who won the Domi-Anderson trade? So Alessia, before you ramble on, please give us our results. Of course. So on Instagram, 18% said the Canadians, 82% said the Blue Jackets, on Twitter, 33% said the Canadians and 67% said the Blue Jackets. Okay, if you said Canadians, come to me and explain to me why you chose the Canadians. Because now, my question for you, my two lovely ladies right here, 
who won this trade in your opinion? So first, Alessia will be last in this equation. Of course. Grace, go first. Um, Montreal did not win this trade. Beautiful. I like how you put that because you kept, I thought you were going to say that they did. No. Um, and um, then... I'm going to mute my mic now because there's no point in me being here. <laughs> and I also said that Montreal did not. So Columbus clearly won this trade. And Alessia, it is your time to speak. I think from a value standpoint, I can agree. Blue Jackets definitely won uh, the trade. Most monotone answer ever. Alessia sounds what? dead inside. Stop. The thing was, it's, it's something it's something we saw coming. We've been talking about this for yeah, so have. long. And it's, okay, there were rumors about this trade happening. Like in the, when was it? Maybe during the week and a bit before. And the trade was a one-for-one, Domi and Anderson. When I'm looking at that trade, I'm going, okay, fine. But I think Domi has more value than Anderson. I was just going to say, is it really a one-for-one? Is it? (laughs) So so when when I was looking at the rumors, I'm like, if you want that to happen, Columbus throw in a pick or something. Because Domi has much more value than Anderson does right now. And plus, the Habs could... Um, could do so much with a pick. We all know that they have a great um, system in place to kind of yeah bring new players and younger players. And so, yes, I, I agree with that. They definitely could have added in a pick. I mean, any pick is great. The Montreal Canadiens have a good prospect pool. But when, I'm look, when I was looking at the trade, you know, initially I, w- I wasn't too happy because obviously Domi is the better player right okay. now okay okay before you say anything can I just can I just give you what Josh Anderson's statistics were for last season you also have to take into account that he was injured so okay, but still Alessia let me revel in this so yes he played 26 games and he managed to score one goal and had three assists so in those 26 26 games that he did play he got one goal and three yep. assists so now he's blocked out all is, feeling <laughs> not <laughs> i mean i'm just i'm going by what i saw in the trade i mean when you look at that it's like yeah that throws you off a lot because that that's basically where we're ju- judging the value right yeah because domi, domi okay Domi this season wasn't as good as his 2018-2019 campaign. It wasn't. He had an amazing season then. If you're looking at Josh Anderson's 2018-2019 season, in 82 games played, he had 27 goals, 20 assists, 47 points. So that's that's good. He is a power forward. He can be that. He was injured this season. I understand that. The thing is, is that it was unfortunate. And the reason why Montreal traded Max Domi away is because they finally have depth at center. This is a contract year for Max Domi. And I think what ended up happening, because the Canadians did submit an offer to him, I think the offer came in too low for what Max Domi was wanting or actually like was kind of pitching to get. And that's because they have guys like Kanyemi, Suzuki, and Deneau. And even Deneau said, he was like, if my role changes on Montreal, I don't know where I see myself here. And so that's the same thing with Domi. And obviously, Deneau is better than Domi, so that pushes Domi to the fourth line. Is Montreal willing to spend 
over $5 million on a player that's going to play on their fourth line? I don't think so. Right? Realistically, who would? (laughs) Exactly. It's just just common knowledge that that, that's not when you pay your fourth liners. Yeah. And then it's kind of a shame to put a guy of his caliber on the fourth line center because the Canadians know that that's where he excels the most. So if they were to have kept him and played him on the wing, it still would have been on the second or the third line potentially. So when I look at the trade, obviously at first I wasn't too happy, but the Canadians are filling a need and they're giving up a player that wasn't really needed because of the depth that they have now with these two players that are emerging in Kotkaniemi and Suzuki. So then you look at what Columbus gave Max Domi. It's only a two-year contract, $5.3 million. So after two years, Max Domi can say, see at Columbus, I'm going to go sign who I want to sign with. So I think that was, I think Montreal didn't want to lose him for nothing, essentially. I mean, I don't think they, I don't think Montreal would have given him a long, like long-term contract but I don't think they wanted to spend that cap on a player that they couldn't see in the top six because of all the players they have. And Montreal's needed to fill a hole in the right wing for a long time because the only player right now that's kind of consistent and solid is Brendan Gallagher. So yes, the value could have been more. They could have gone much more for Domi, but the Canadians are filling a need and Columbus is also filling a need as well, getting Domi as a center. So, I mean, they didn't have a power forward. They got a power forward. They didn't have a backup goalie. They got a backup goalie. And then we spoke about the Edmondson trade or signing. And at, at first I said it was may have seemed too high. And it's kind of the same situation for this one. At first I was like, why did Montreal have to give up a draft pick in this when it should have been the other way around? But then Pierre Lebrun actually said that the interest in Anderson was through the roof, that kind of Bergeron had to sweeten the deal in order to solidify getting him. So now it's the risk of, does Josh Anderson put up points like he did before his injury? That's what it's going to come down to, essentially. It's a risk. It's a risk. It's it's definitely a risk. risk. And we've seen Bergeron in the past do like these low-risk trades. This is a a high-risk trade now. So hopefully it pays off. I mean, I've seen highlights. I've done my research on Josh Anderson. Obviously, his last season wasn't great because of his injury, but uh, they said they came out with their poor Bergevin, asked for the medical information. They did their their, uh, research before acquiring Josh Anderson. So now it's about, does he put up those same points? Because Montreal was just like, they needed a power forward, a big guy on the right wing. So in terms of a value standpoint, yeah, Columbus did with this trade and they currently are winning this trade because Domi has shown that he's the better player right now. Yeah, but that we will see in the future how Josh Anderson does. I am hopeful for him. So yeah, you said that perfectly. As of right now, Columbus won this trade. It's not until we finally see Josh Anderson play in a Montreal jersey and how he performs, then we'll finally say what happened 
but all like ultimately his points in the past show that he's capable of being a good player it's just does he now is does he bounce back from the injury and does he fit into the team he looks exactly. like a kid who can fit into the team because this offseason Bergman has been going with bigger grittier players so you know he's kind of, it, he, this player basically in overall he balances Montreal's offense which I is really, good I really hope Bergevin is right this time or else uh he'll feel the wrath of Alessia sooner or later <laughs> so like I mean I like I, 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 I don't even know what to say to that <laughs> and we're <I> just, done <laughs> we're done so yeah, Alessia, any closing points on that one? Or do you think you finally said what you needed to say? I think I need, I said what I had to say. I like Domi in Montreal, but there there's no room left for him in Montreal, which is very unfortunate because uh, I'm just going to leave it at that. I, I'm, really, I'm really hoping that Josh Anderson blows us out of the waters because I feel like he's filling a need on the team and he's going to balance the offense. And he's a big guy that obviously the Canadians were sort of lacking in size a bit on their offense. So welcome to Montreal, Josh Anderson. Yeah, Josh Anderson, you better perform or else you're going to get like, <laughs> a big talking down too. <laughs> well, I would like to extend my thank you to everybody who's listened this past season and has made yes. switching from a radio show into a podcast so nice and so fun. So fun. Um, because we are going to take a little bit of a break now. A little the, hiatus in between our seasons. The season, the hockey season is done. The draft happened. We are going to miss free agency, but we will talk about that when we come back. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we'll be gone for two weeks. Uh, we have reading week coming up for school. So we're going to take that week off and the week after. And not only are we just taking a break because we feel like it, but it's also because we're just going to try to produce even better content for you, our listeners, our viewers on our social media platforms. Um, we're really excited for the things that we have in store for you guys. We have lots of ideas in our head. Uh, hopefully we can execute all of them perfectly to the way that we want them. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's been a fun season. Um kind of you know spreading this information out to you guys getting your input through you know our questions and you know thank you for participating and actually making that segment uh worthwhile because without you guys answering that question we wouldn't have a segment so (laughs) it's uh so thank you once again to you guys we appreciate so very much and we're just so thankful and grateful to be able to do a second second season after the radio show and now we're even more grateful that we'll be able to do a third season as well um so yeah stay tuned uh keep an eye out on our social media platforms you know just get excited for the next season there's so much that you guys will love and um we're just so excited so we don't have a specific (laughs) return date but we will be back in two weeks time so whenever you guys think two weeks time is that's when we'll be back and we'll bring you a whole new episode (laughs) for season three so thank you once again we're very very excited are we gonna be like those tv shows that are like gone for two weeks and they come back and really it's been like six months and they all have new haircuts oh my god no (laughs) imagine imagine a bad name (laughs) but thank you once again thank you for listening keep 
uh, participating with us, you know, tweet us, follow us, um, tag us and things. I don't know. All that Keep information in is, is linked in our little episode description boxes. So yes, you can find exactly. that there. Yes. So thank you once again. Thank you for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode and keep your sticks on the ice and your heels on the dance floor.